Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your powerful positive healing for life. I'm your host, Louise Schwartzwalter. I'm the creator of a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. From engaging transformational interviews, brain soul success stories, and the secrets shared by brain and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brain Soul Success Show. Oh my gosh, my guest today is Sandra Scheinbaum. She is just an amazing woman with a great history. We actually found out we have a similar history that we were both in the whole world of special education and neurobiofeedback way back when doing something totally different today. She has blended and created this amazing uh, academy. It's a coaching academy, the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. So you are a health and wellness practitioner and educator. You're passionate about transforming um, our broken healthcare system and empowering people to become their CEOs of their own health and believe that a great health coach is an ally uh, to each of us who need to make healthy changes that actually last. So with her co-founder, Elise Wagner, and in collaboration with the Institute of Functional Medicine, Dr. Scheinbaum founded the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy in 2014. A clinical psychologist for over 35 years, Dr. Scheinbaum is the expert in positive psychology and mind-body medicine. Wow, we are so like on the same track here. I love this. Um, and you're the author of Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps, and How to Give Clients Those Skills to Stop Those Panic Attacks. Oh, my goodness, Dr. Scheinbaum, welcome. Um, oh, it's such a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Oh, I just I just love what you're doing. And I want to hear the story of how you even, you know, created, you know, what got you on this path of, of creating this the academy? Sure. Well, I would like to thank what I thought many, many years ago was my ADD. Because I uh, was someone who just from an early age as a little girl was creative. And I also was very like as a visionary, I always had all these ideas of what I wanted to do. And for many years, I thought those were deficits. I thought I had ADD. Uh, and I had spent many years in that field, as we talked about. I started out, and in those days when I went to college or just late 60s, you didn't have many choices, or I didn't think I had as a woman. You could be a teacher, you could be a nurse, uh, go to secretarial school. And so I was in education, I went into special education, and I was really focusing on what what more I could learn. And so I learned all about behavior management. And then I started leading groups for the parents of kids who were in my classroom and stress management or parenting techniques. I started doing workshops, relaxation strategies, learning all about that as I was teaching teachers how to uh, be good special education professionals. 
and was always thinking about, oh, like this would be fun to do. And, oh, I'd love to learn about this. And so I went back to school. I love learning, got my doctorate in clinical psychology, was always kind of a renegade as well, which is another reason I thought like, okay, I always like outside the box thinking. And this was a time when basically the whole world of clinical psychology was very psychoanalytic. And I was just intrigued by mind-body medicine and this idea that, oh, you could just take some breaths and you can calm yourself. And oh, lo and behold, you can warm your hands and that may have an impact on blood flow. And then that could help you with, you have a migraine headache. So I started specializing in that. And I also started specializing, and that was way before mind-body medicine actually had a name. We didn't uh-huh. talk about breath work in those days. Um, so I love doing that and see that people were getting better. I also was always focused on another discipline that did not yet have a name. Now it's called positive psychology. That was the idea mm-hmm. that we focus on what's right with you so that you can flourish as opposed to what's wrong with you and just pinning a label on you. And I... I felt coming from that special education world. And then as a psychologist, when I first started out, I was becoming an expert in personality testing, psychoeducational testing. And I just shudder looking back uh, and thinking about all of those kids, particularly that I saw and just was so quick to label them and put a diagnosis on them. What if I was looking at it from my perspective today, I would have really focused much more on the strengths. I was already doing that because that's what we're taught in learning disabilities. You focus on the strengths to help with the deficits. But now I really was really looking at the importance of a strength focus, studying how people flourish. So I also was studying functional medicine through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Here was a way of looking at how we flourish that resonated, it was very similar to the basic principles of positive psychology. And so put those together and thought, well, what if we took these disciplines of positive psychology, mind-body medicine, the principles of functional medicine, and started to train health coaches? And that's where I was so inspired as a teacher. Uh, Because over the years, I had taught a lot of other types of courses, psychology of eating, for example, and courses in biofeedback for graduate students. And so I had a young associate, Elise, with me. And uh, so we put our heads together and uh, pitched the idea to IFM, Institute for Functional Medicine. And then they loved it. And so we became a collaboration. So now I run Functional Medicine Coaching Academy and have a huge mission, which is slowly actually becoming a reality. And that is seeing a health coach in every doctor's office. And I founded this school when I was 65 and there were people, my husband was one that said, sure, you want to do this? Like, don't you just want to maybe work a little more as a psychologist? You have a really successful practice. And I did, but it was local brick and mortar. Uh, And he's like, yeah, you could just retire in a few years. And I really found that I still wanted to serve, that I had a mission, a really big one. And I wanted to really, really make a difference in the lives of thousands of people by connecting them to health coaches and helping the doctors 
connect to health coaches because they're burned out and they're exhausted and they need support as well uh, by having a health coach at their side for their practice. Oh, I love your journey. I can tell you're a lifelong learner. And, uh, and here you are, like you said, you could be retired, uh, but you have a mission, you know, and you've blended all those disciplines together. So we can see as you're describing to us your background, you know, you're a born teacher, always were, <laughs> you know, always will be. And, uh, and now you now you're teaching all these amazing people and health coaches to uh, to help the doctors in the world. That's just such a beautiful mission. It's beautiful. so needed. Oh my God. And today, right, with our pandemic and everything going on, we all need that support. Um, so much, even so much greater. Absolutely. So much greater than before. And then blending, you know, blending those those disciplines together. Um, and I agree with you. I would say, you know, I remember when I was teaching special ed and I, I didn't like the word, I didn't like the label. I didn't like the labels. It felt too negative, you know, so your whole path of positive psychology and how you're able, how do you blend that? Now I'm kind of curious about curriculum for some reason. I know, (laughs) you know, like how do you blend positive psychology with, with functional medicine? Sure. Well, here's an example. So in functional medicine, it's about telling the story. We look at somebody's timeline. And if you train as a functional medicine doctor, you are thinking, well, I'm going to map somebody's timeline going to tell their story and I'm going to listen to what they're talking about regarding the family of origin. They're listening for, oh, this person has a history of Alzheimer's in the family and they were bottle fed and they were cesarean birth and they had a lot of infections as a child and maybe they had some trauma. They lost Mm -hmm. a parent and they got a divorce and they're mapping all these things and they're mapping the Mm -hmm. onset of illnesses. And then they retell the story looking at the root causes and what are some of the things that are mediators that kept this condition going, like maybe they were eating a subpar diet or they didn't have good relationships. Here's where the positive psychology piece that I think is crucial comes in. And this is what we added from the coaching academy, positive psychology. We would be, we teach our coaches to support, to retell that story, but as a redemptive story, it's not, here's, why this happened to you, but it's, here's why, but also here's the strengths that you have that, and in hearing you, I've heard throughout your life, you've been perseverant. You know, you, you didn't give up when you went to one doctor, you said, no, there's gotta be an answer. So you kept going or that must, you were really brave when uh, you had all this adversity in your life, I'm seeing that that's a character strength, or perhaps you, what you've described as creative ways to solve problems, or you love learning. So you came to all these doctors because you, you've, and you've been Googling things. And, and so that shows your love of learning and, and wanting to be, take charge of your health by learning more. And so these character strengths then are what make this story a redemptive story. So you're not a victim. You are not just, we're just not going to add a medical, even if it's a functional medicine treatment plan, but we're going to help you to really appreciate who you are, which is your strengths. 
you express gratitude, you have kindness, you've shown good leadership, you have good teamwork, for example, spirituality, appreciation of beauty might be a top strength. So we use an assessment of strengths and help that those people to thrive. And then it's what how we teach our coaches to be confident as well, because they are finding out their own strengths and bringing that to each session with their clients. Oh, that's so beautiful, focusing on the strengths rather than the weaknesses, you know, and, and, and you learn that from your whole path of working in special ed too, you know, from the whole labeling thing to let's do the positive psychology thing. You know, let's see, I, like I always think ADD is a gift. I attract those people. I love those people. I think I am one of those people, yes. <laughs> you know, and you, whether, you know, with no label, really just, I like individual connection. And I see like you, I see the strengths in people. And totally. say, hey, allow your gifts to shine. Like, like one of my teachers said, if you're not honoring your gifts in the world, you're not honoring God. Oh, I just love that. And, you know, and I look back and it was, you know, I thought I was ADD. And well, what if we looked at creativity? What if we called this daydreaming, like this, what allows you to have creativity? And what if we looked at all that fidgety and, and constant, what if we called it zest? Well, creativity <laughs> and zest are actually two of my top signature character strengths because I'm always, you know, jumping around, moving around and, and also looking at, you know, finding creative solutions, for example. So uh, we can look at a strengths focus and now you see, oh, you know, it's just pretty special. And also I'm in some groups with a lot of entrepreneurs and how many of you think you're ADD? A hundred percent of the time. So people who are visionaries for their companies or who are entrepreneurs who start their own businesses uh, typically would say that they have that ADD characteristic. Yes, yes, I know. And that's, that's, that's our people. I love hanging with, <laughs> hanging, <laughs> hanging with those people. And then you attract those people to your functional medicine health coaching program, right? So, yes. so tell us, tell us about that. What is, what is that? Sure. So we're training health coaches because the world needs health coaches more than ever. There's uh, just so many people who are suffering from chronic illness and mm -hmm. also the so-called long haulers. Uh, and it might be a, a physical conditions that they uh, have seen now just not going away, as well as all of the losses that we've seen in this past year and all of the loneliness that people have. And so coaches can bring functional medicine to everybody. They can make it affordable. They're not doctors. Coaches are not medical doctors. They are not nutritionists. They support those experts, but they bring hope and they're there as somebody's ally to listen, to be at their side, to be their advocate, especially if somebody has a lot of challenging medical conditions and they can help them navigate the medical system, but also they bring people together in groups. And we teach our coaches how to facilitate groups and now it's online and they are leading these groups. They're also working with doctors uh, who are employing them. They're having them in their practices and there's a lot of companies who are hiring health coaches as well. So uh, they are the behavior change specialists. They are, that's what we teach is how to 
you help somebody feel so inspired that they're going to change when change is hard. If you tell somebody to, oh, go out and, you know, you need to lose some weight or here's the exercise plan for you. And, and, and often it's just hard to do. They have obstacles and uh, having a personal cheerleader, which is what a coach is, helping them determine what's the right place for them to start. It's highly individualized. So it's not one size fits all. People may hear something. They may read a book about a new way of eating and they'll think, okay, that's for me. And what a coach can do and what functional medicine does as a discipline is look at what's called bioindividuality that what's right for you, for your mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, what is right for you? Oh, so that's okay. That, that's a great definition of a coach. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I can see where, where all of those coaches that you're training are really able to be so completely helpful because you go to the doctor and they're prescribing medication and you've got a problem. Um, you're not you're not given that that connection. You don't have that connection, you know, with someone who can help you see the positive things in what you're doing and help you move forward and take those action steps, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Take, and then are all the health coaches also functional medicine doctors or not necessarily, you know, or certified in that or not necessarily? Yeah. So to be a coach, you need to have a calling to serve. You okay. want to be have a desire to help others, but you don't need to have any background whatsoever in healthcare. So we've trained for 4,000, actually 3,000 coaches. Um, we have about 1,000 going through our program right now. And about half came from a healthcare or a wellness field. They, maybe they were nurses, maybe they were medical doctors, maybe they were uh, yoga personal trainers, uh, they ran a health food store. Some way they were connected in this field, acupuncturists, dietitians. And then there are others who are homeschooling their kids, they're empty nesters, they're uh, coming from corporate, from uh, many, many different walks of life. Uh, we have people who are in their 80s, they have people who were many teachers, many psychologists, counselors, they're in retirement. And they now they just want to do something that's going to be very personally rewarding and give back as a coach. We have others who are just starting a career and they're entrepreneurial and they want to build a business. They are partnering with others. They are doing th their own podcasts. They're writing books. They are uh, often all over the world and they are starting associations with other coaches in, in various countries. So, so really the sky's the limit and it's only you know limited by what you want to do. There's somebody who's um, I've been talking with, uh, she comes to my office hours. We have a, an alumni program where people can stay on and, and continue. And she had been in um, hospital administration for many years. She's retired. And because her she saw her mom having signs of early Alzheimer's, she became inspired to just become a coach. And then she got some special training in reversing cognitive decline. And now she is going out and she is working with uh, people and their caretakers with families. And she's connected with some neurologists to work in that space. So uh, we encourage people to specialize. And it often is what you're most passionate about because maybe you had a health challenge and you mm -hmm. overcame it often through functional medicine or you helped a loved one, or you're just really in 
inspired. Uh, so to help people not suffer as you did. Right. So it's really that inspiration. It's the inspiration and the passion to serve, like you said, totally. um, are the people that that come into your program. And then is there a way for, um, or is this part of it, I guess, um, is, is placing people. So if someone comes into your program, you know, are you able to place them with doctors? And, and so in a sense, helping them use those skills once they kind of graduate. Is that part of, is that part of your program? So we have an alumni program and people do stay on and that is part of it. It is, it's not like an HR or a, a headhunter type of service. We have a lot of, because of so many connections that I have and we're continuing to be known as a program that will really help you uh, land a job because of our affiliation with the Institute for Functional Medicine. They're our collaboration partner. So we, it's their faculty that teaches for us. We use their materials. They teach the doctors. So it's at a level that is meant for medical doctors. And we make those connections. So I speak mm -hmm. from the stage at IFM where I'm teaching doctors about needing a coach and why they should have a coach and how they could work with a coach. And then they come to me and to our uh, alumni services, and we help them post a job description and have a conversation often, what is it they would like uh, in a coach? And then we help, we, help, we help facilitate that. And also there's always that case where I am gonna make a connection. So uh, again, in my office hours, this happened um, uh, recently where somebody said she wanted to help parents of kids with pans, pandas. That's um, mm -hmm. my day. And we didn't know about this condition, but it is a um, neurological condition that can cause a lot of symptoms, often misdiagnosed where kids are having severe behavior issues. Mm -hmm. And so this is something she is passionate about. And I said, okay, I know just the doc, I have to make an introduction for you, uh, connect you to some people who are doctors specializing in this. So I love to make those kind of, of matches. Oh, that's great. No, that's really, really, that's awesome. Yeah, because it, that's a piece of it, you know, so people can graduate and they have to have that place then, that placement of being able to use their passion now, their skills, right? Right. Out, out in the world. Um, and so that collaboration that you have with the functional medicine people is just, it's brilliant because I see positive psychology in that together very much. So, um, you know, on my whole healing journey, I realized that just working with the physical body was not enough. Changing my diet, juicing my wheatgrass, taking my supplements was all awesome, but it didn't get me where I wanted to go. I had to work on the emotional, I had to work on the spiritual, and I had to do that positive psychology, you know, that you're talking about. And I also had a clear trauma. So I had to clear the trauma that was in the brain and in the soul. And when we did that, I watched people, I watched myself completely change. And then I watched my, all of my patients and clients up-level their, up their lives in a bigger way and be able to get out there and do their gift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's it's so wonderful. Absolutely. And so it's very, yeah. you know, so what I noticed too, that I think is just fascinating. I just interviewed another, um, another great practitioner today too, is what I see amongst the, the, the people who are creating the entrepreneurs, creating great programs and they're great practitioners, great doctors, whether they're acupuncturists, chiropractors, psychologists, whatever they're doing in the world, they have come to a place where they have found that it has to be holistic to stick. 
And if so it's true. not, it isn't going to stick. Absolutely. And, and I just love that because I could say that even 10 years ago, I don't think that was on the planet. Yes. You know, and you've been in this whole world for such a long time. You see the history of all that. It is such a pleasure. It's music to my ears to hear mm-hmm. this because you know, when I was working in mountain body medicine in the late 70s, this was so radical. I would be kicked out of doctor's offices for saying this. And I was literally. And uh, the idea that uh, you can have, uh, and I trained with Dr. Albert Ellis in cognitive behavioral work, and the idea that you could be experienced, you could be, uh, your self-talk could be catastrophic or hopeless. Like it's never going to change. I can't do anything right. It's awful, horrible, terrible. And today, you know, we're used to hearing uh, inspirational speakers, help people alter their self-talk, but it, it is really crucial to take that into account that everything you think Everything that you've experienced, everything you feel, you know, the heart is the master communicator and it goes both ways. It it communicates to the brain and your brain communicates to your heart and to your gut. And it's all interconnected. These are fundamental principles of functional medicine. But we know uh, from mind body work that it is that it cannot be just one component. It has to be looking at the big picture. And whether we're in functional medicine or what I'm doing is integrating functional medicine with positive psychology, but also with the psychology of eating, which I taught courses in and uh, how you look at food and your attitudes and where your culture and your, your parental influences, so much of it goes into deciding what to eat and how to eat and and also then looking at the how you're moving throughout the day and particularly i think it's tied to your meaning and purpose there's so much research in longevity for example if you have connection to a to meaning to purpose and often that's tied to love and it's a connection to others that is what promotes longevity it promotes well-being on a, on a real deep-seated level. Oh, absolutely. I found the same thing. Absolutely. It is that connection, you know, that, that, that love and that passion. Um, uh, another practitioner interviewed said, if you don't have a purpose, the people who didn't have a purpose or a passion, um, it, was, it was difficult to help them heal. From whatever yes. illness it was, it could have been, you know, fibromyalgia or lupus or anything, you know, or asthma, you know, just anything. They really need to have that, that purpose. Um, I'm going to switch gears here and ask you, you know, more of a personal question here, um, Dr. Scheinbaum, what have been the challenges, you know, in your life too, that have contributed to you discovering that or a place where maybe you had a brain spiritual, you know, offbeat kind of place or something that happened in your life that was a challenge that, uh, brought you to this whole path that you've been on? Yeah, well, uh, it is an experience that I had in the late 70s. So I had been teaching for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, um, I'd like to do something else, but I wasn't quite sure. And so I had some friends who were involved at the time in Chicago, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and I was going to go down and 
And at the time, uh, it was really um, kind of the financial center in Chicago. And I became an independent floor trader, which meant that I didn't have anybody that I was working for. I didn't have anybody who worked for me. I wasn't selling a product or a service. Basically, I was not tied to any meaning or purpose. And it's if, if anyone is listening and knows anything about um, the world of trading commodities, it's a little like trading stocks, but I was on the floor of the exchange. And as a day trader, every single day, you either made money or you lost money. And people who are in that world, the focus was on pursuit of money and pursuit of things. Mm-hmm. And so for a time... I was kind of caught up in that and uh, like, oh, how many shoes can I buy? And uh, the idea that there were external things that could make me happy. And that came from deep-seated feelings of inadequacy. I lost my father when I was nine. My mother was very, very poor. My father was sick and he, we never had health insurance or life insurance, I should say. And so I had hand-me-down clothes and I was always feeling like uh, the one who didn't have. And uh, so when I was able to purchase this, I was really on this path, like, oh, this is, um, you know, this will make me feel good. And of course, we know it never does. Mm -hmm. And I then saw people around me who were also day traders at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange who were get into serious addictions or even suicides. And it was all because of this feeling like my money is my worth. There was no sense of meaning and purpose. uh, Mm -hmm. And those who survived, those who did really well, had that. They had faith. They had uh, strong family ties. They were tied to something greater than themselves of meaning and purpose. So it doesn't have to be your work, but as long as you have something. And so what are the greatest lessons that I learned. And of course, I didn't last very long. I very, very, we're talking like a short period of time. Like, I don't think I was even there a year realizing this is not for me. The financial world, no. Like I'm going back to the helping profession that I love and I'm comfortable with. And, and then that's where I trade, started training in, in the psychologist and, and so forth. So, uh, but the, the big lesson then was that it, it is tied to you know, some, having a mission, having purpose, having, knowing that what we call eudaimonic well-being which is tied to that purpose, as opposed to what I saw people fall victim to me around me, which was that happiness is money. And also the the Mm -hmm. great lesson was to stop comparing yourself to others, because that's what I saw time and time again, that people Mm -hmm. were so shamed that, you know, they had lost fortune, they were going to have to sell their house and have to tell their wives. And it was, it was a male dominated world. <laughs> you know, it was like uh-huh. five women, it was a traitor. Uh, but it was this shame, this idea that I'm, 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 I can't live with this shame. And so those were great lessons for me. All oh, those are beautiful lessons. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, that beautiful, beautiful lessons. And 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 kudos to you for recognizing and getting out of that, right? And saying this is not this is not for this is not for me. Sometimes we do have to experience the contrast so we know the truth. Absolutely. And we also yeah. have to fail somewhere because right looking back, I'm so glad 
I failed at that world because if I had suddenly, you know, uh, made a lot of money, you know, very successful trader, I might have still been. Well, there is no real floor trading anymore. It's all computerized. But um, I would never then have had the years of just satisfaction that and years of helping so many people. Uh, through the 35 some years I spent as a psychologist and now my mission to, you know, what we're doing in, in health coaching. So I'm thankful for that failure experience. Yes. So, yes. I always do believe we have to fail. You know, we learn more from our mistakes and our successes. And yeah. as you're sharing that, I'm thinking too, and this was Chicago as well, because um, we're both from Chicago. Um, I worked in between teaching jobs at Frank B. Hall Insurance Company. Um, they would they did the insurance for McDonald's Corporation. And I was so bored that I was making Easter cards with different colored whiteout. <laughs> Did you know that there was a pink and a yellow for all those carbon copies oh, of papers? Wow. <laughs> and a light blue. <laughs> and so, and then I went like, no, 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 I'm going back to teaching. So yeah, yeah. very similar. Yeah, I had to learn, had to learn that lesson as well, as well. You know, if you were going to start all over again, is there anything you would do differently? Yes, I would have heeded the uh, advice of uh, my uh, my master teacher, Albert Ellis, it's positive psychology or, or cognitive therapy, that nothing good comes from embarrassment or shame to do stuff scared and to just move on, to not be afraid of making mistakes, not being such a perfectionist uh, and to, to just jump in and start before you're ready and uh, to let go of the imposter syndrome, which is thinking that somebody knows more than you don't know enough um, and that you're not good enough. And to just focus on uh, really starting before you're ready and focusing on just loving, learning and embracing mistakes. Oh, wise advice. Yes. I hope everyone is listening here and heeds that advice. You know, just jump ahead. Take that action step. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then when you're focused, I mean, look at all the work that you're doing um, now. And I know you're very busy and you're in your coaching and with the academy and everything that you're doing. How do you keep your your mind sharp and your body healthy um, when you're when you're working so hard and doing all this? Yeah, well, I am uh, time for this recording 71. And so it is uh, vitally important to stay sharp physically, Mm -hmm. mentally. And so I uh, self care is a must. And so I, there are just many, many different types of uh, uh, movement that I love. I take a dance class. I always love dance. I take a ballet class every week. I take tap dancing. I have yoga practice and focusing on also being with younger people. I love just I'm hanging out with some people this week. They're much younger. They're young enough to be my daughter age. And I love hanging out with them. Also, I have an app uh, learning to play the keyboard. I always wanted to learn to play the piano. And so I got this really cool app that I'm just like, it's self-taught. It's so exciting. Like, oh, I'm able to play this little song. Uh, and uh, so it really, it's just so important to learn something, uh, to, to learn something new and to super excited about doing those things and strength training. I think as we get older, 
having strength training is just for me, at least non-negotiable. I, I don't want to be frail. And because I am little, I, I could be. And so I just do you know, heavy weights and, and work as much as possible on maintaining that, that strength as well as uh, really um, looking at how the importance of everything I'm eating or how I am not eating you know, intermittent fasting and staying abreast of latest research and using what we know at the time, because I have seen food trends come and go, but really focusing on the available evidence right now. Oh, that's great. Great. So a little movement in there too. So movement's important, right? All that great brain work that you're doing to stay sharp. Cause you are, you're amazingly sharp. And, uh, and have to be for all, the, for all that you're doing. Yeah, and have to be. So what a great role model you are. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Scheinbaum. Wow. Um, you know, if, um, who has been some of your early mentors, I guess? Who have been some of your, your mentors? Sure. Well, um, I've had a lot and, and for each uh, discipline. So in learning disabilities, we talked uh, earlier, Dr. Doris Johnson and learning disabilities. I just loved how sharp she was. And she was, a, she was really a difficult teacher. And I've always resonated with people who are difficult teachers. And um, it, it's surprising to say, but one of my mentors was never planning to be a mentor. In fact, she was the English teacher of one of my daughter's sophomore year. And this teacher was so strict about using a passive voice. I was just talking to my assistant from FMCA that way. And so even to this day, when I am like reading something that our copywriter has written, I will change that. If I see too many is, I will let it like, wait a minute, that's you could have a much more effective way of writing if you make it a direct action verb. And so things like, I mean, she was a mentor to me. She helped me when I was writing my books. Uh, the editor from the publishing company said, well, we've, this is the most, um, the least amount of editing we've ever had to do. Like, and I, oh, thank you. Thank you. This uh, woman, her name was Mrs. Sallet, uh, my daughter, because she was so strict and I had to help my daughter and I, uh, with these papers and I, I learned. So, so sometimes a mentor can come uh, where we're not thinking, you know, we don't think of a guru or somebody, um, somebody who is really teaching you, but it can be some one off like that. I also uh, acknowledge the younger people in my life. So right now my daughter, uh, my daughter, Carly, she's our chief operating officer. She's been my mentor in many ways. She has figured things out in the company and I have learned from her. So um, I love that. I love learning from younger people. From younger people. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, awesome. And what do you do in your downtime when you're not working hard? What, what do you, I, mean, I know you mentioned dance. Anything else that you want to share? Yeah. So I just love to, um, to, to mix things up. And so uh, when I get up, the first thing I do is tell myself it's going to be a good day. And uh, I am fortunate to be in uh, Arizona. There's beautiful mountains. And I just love going for walks, uh, looking at the beautiful sunset. And, uh, and then also looking forward to comedies, watching something on Netflix, for example. Um, but I really see my work as being not work, but downtime. Uh, and often the best ideas will come to me when I least expect it. But I love 
to be running this company. And so it it's restorative as opposed to draining. And, and I've learned that if things are difficult for me uh, or hard that uh, to use this mantra, who, not how, and to focus on, well, who can help or who might be better at it than I am. And so that has allowed me to have more downtime. Yoga is downtime, but dance. I, I, I have a ballet class every Sunday morning. I look forward to that. It's on Zoom and uh, used to be live, but um, we meet and uh, it's something that I, I look forward to and truly takes me away um, rather than like sitting and meditating. This is my way of, of meditating is uh, by hearing that ballet music and, and going through this beautiful choreography. Oh, I love that. I love that. Cause I think we all need more movement today, you know, so anything we can do where we're getting that movement and, and that feeds your soul, I can tell. Yes. So that's and it, beautiful. And it's yeah. good for your brain. It's kind and of, you have yes. to remember that there's been yes. major studies on that recently, that dance is very, very helpful for cognitive decline. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. All those movements you have to memorize. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, what's your number one brain hack? Yeah, so um, an association. So, uh, and this comes from, I was doing this way back when I was in high school. I would always find you know, acronyms. I'd find uh, silly stories to associate things so I could remember better. And it, it is really effective to uh, Jim Quick, who is one of our educators at FMCA, and he is the world-renowned uh, brain expert and learning and memory and talks about this to have associations. So, uh, mm -hmm. for example, I met somebody, I, I've been now obsessed with Clubhouse, the new social media platform and uh, moderating rooms. And I founded some clubs there and somebody came to a room that I moderate and uh, I associated because his name um, associate who's the same the same somebody here in uh, in the Arizona area. I knew somebody by the same name and it was an unusual name. And so I kind of put two two together. So now I will remember that person's name based on that. And so kind of making those, it could be crazy associations. So mm -hmm. this is the craziest one. So I had a friend many years ago uh, in the Chicago area, and she lived at 1960 Berkeley. Now this, we're talking like 50 years ago that, okay. you know, and why do I remember her address? Actually, it's probably 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, it's because I associated the 1960 Berkeley. That was the free speech movement. I associated the college of the university Berkeley uh, as the center of the whole student um, free speech movement in the 60s. And so I still remember that address because of that really powerful association and have used that for years as an example. So you want to remember how, what can you associate that is one off to, to remember things. And so uh, just these little, you know, we remember rhyming things. You want to remember the you know, months of the year or, you know, spring forward, fall back. There's all these, uh, um, you know, I, I recently learned from somebody I was putting together something and she said, oh, it's righty tidy lefty Lucy. Okay. 
Now I always remember I was screwing in a bolt and I didn't know which way to go. Okay, righty tighty, lefty loosey. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those little sayings and those associations. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that's those are my favorite brain hacks. Those are your favorite brain hacks. Oh gosh, and I, I, I just, I just love you, and I love what you're doing in the world. Um, you know, if you were going to leave our audience with one tip, what would it be? Yeah, I think that it is to really. Um, it, it all starts with your breath. And there's so many things you can do. All you need to do is stop and feel something through your breath. You can draw in courage. You can draw in feelings of peace. You can exhale whatever it might be that you don't want to hold on to. You're exhaling toxins. You're exhaling uh, thoughts that are disturbing, feelings that are uncomfortable, pain, and you imagine it. So you set it into your future. You imagine your ideal self. Uh, this vivid vision. And so you live now for your future self. You take a breath for your future self to create that, to, to make that happen. Because we are changing all the time. Uh, every second, our bodies are changing and we have the control to change it in a positive direction the way we want. Oh, thank you for that. That is an awesome, awesome tip. Well, this has been just a gift to spend time with you. Um, and how can people reach um, and learn more about um, the Academy? They can go to functionalmedicinecoaching.org. Uh, that's our website. And uh, if you want to, uh, it's Functional Medicine Coaching Academy on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, it's Functional Med Coach. Uh, you can follow me. I am Dr. Sandy on Instagram. And uh, I would love to connect with you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Sandy, Dr. Scheinbaum. You are amazing. I love what you've created. Um, I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting this out there to our to our audience and uh, and definitely connect with Dr. Sandy here, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or check out that website, uh, especially if you're here listening and you're going, hey, health coaching might be for me. You know, I really want to check this out. So um, definitely connect with her. Just a beautiful, beautiful soul. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you. I'm honored. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Louise.